All right, welcome back. This is the Just Offside podcast, and today myself and Mike are very happy to have a special guest. And we we're just joking off camera that this is the first non-professional um, soccer player we're having on here as a guest. <laughs> to do an interview, but uh, it's uh, great to have you on. We got Mike Newell, who is a who's a leader amongst one of the TFC supporting groups, and we're so happy to have you, Mike. How you doing? I'm good, Keith. Thanks for having me um, on the show. I'm I'm honored. I'm the first non-professional <laughs> soccer player guest um, of all the people you chose me. So I appreciate it. No, I'm really happy to have you. You know, we have a you have a big, great background with the club, and we just want to get in to see uh, see what it's all about and how you got started with that. So no, we might be really pumped for this one. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Love that. Yeah. So. When we were talking about having you on, we were just like thinking about it. I was like, me and him were brainstorming ideas and like what we could talk about. And I think when we talk and like think about supporters, like we obviously want to think about soccer background, like what got you into the game and what made you fall in love with the game, whether it was like an early age or like a parent or a club or a player or something like that. So maybe just like enlighten us about that. Yeah, yeah, I have a maybe a bit of unconventional sort of path into my love of the game. Um, My parents were not into soccer at all. Um, My family. Just cut for a little bit. We lost them. We lost them. Sham's going to have to edit. (laughs) Okay. So one of the things that we definitely thought about with you as a guest was what got you into the game and what made you fall in love with um, the sport in general, right? So whether it was like a certain player or a club or your parents or anything like that. Um, So maybe speak on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I didn't like have parents that were into the game or anything like that. They, you know, traditionally my family's actually really been into cricket and West Indies cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really sort of the sporting love. So my actual first sport that I love was baseball based uh-huh. on sort of that sort of loose kind of transition. But football really started for me um, in, in a way that a lot of people um, in sort of my age demographic would have fall in love we stole satellite um essentially <laughs> um if you if you're of a certain age you know you could go over to a man on the corner and he'd get you um a rogers box and um you'd be able to get like a game a week um on certain channels um so whether you got like tln yeah, um, yeah that's or, all i was about or, to say yeah or if you got you know like sometimes tsn back and they would have like a premier league game but it'd be like you know, three days later. Exactly. It was never live. It took a while. I didn't get live games so I was a teenager. But um yeah, that's kind of how I followed it. And I, I fell in love with Man United. Obviously, they were winning the league when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine. Um, and that's an impressionable age um to to get a supporter. And I loved Eric Cantona. I love the fact that, you know, he played with a pop collar and was just, you know, I mean, he scored that chip and he's just, you know, like, look at me, look how great. So, you know, you like, you fall in love with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, And like, for me, it was like the only kid that liked soccer um, in my, in sort of my neighborhood, right? Like everybody was basketball or hockey. And you were in Toronto, right? Yeah, I was in Toronto. And then I moved to Mississauga, um, sort of closer to my teenage years, but um, yeah, like that, that, that's basically how I fell into love with the game and 
followed it and supported it. And obviously when I was growing up, there was no TFC, there was no Canadian premier league. So there was no like local like team to really support. I mean, like the links were around a little bit, but they weren't around for like, you know, long. Right. So it was really trying to follow the game overseas. Um, and, and that's, you know, how I fell in love with the game and, and United and, and things like that. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that purpose like perfectly leads in to what we were going to ask next. And it was talking about like TFC becoming a club and having something, like you said, growing up in the city, not having anything to support. And how did it originally start with TFC? Were you like day one season ticket holder or? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a chance to get um, season tickets day one because I was in university um, at the time Uh, and they were like put 20 bucks or what was it like 20 or 50 bucks down. Uh, yeah. for a deposit and i was like nah <laughs> you know like i was you know i'm like i'd rather take like at that time you're like i could take that money go to the club go to you know whatever <laughs> um so no i i didn't get season tickets the first couple of years um and uh, to be honest like i was kind of halfway on it because like you know when you love european football and you watch european yeah. football you're kind of like mls mm, you know like you were kind of like do i do i really want to go especially back then right yeah exactly and um and I went to a game. I didn't go to the first, I think the first two home games. I think I didn't go. I went to the game, the game Dickio scored the first goal. So I was there. You're at wow. that. Wow. That was my first ever TFC game. That was my first ever. Like my buddy like got like tickets. Um, and we went and we were in the West End. And obviously Dickio scores the goal. And I like once the seat cushion, like seat cushions started flying, and I I <laughs> never seen anything like that in my life. Like Please, I would have watched that game on TV. Yeah, exactly. Like you've gone to, I've gone to Blue Jay games. I've gone to, you know, all these different sporting events, Raptor game, whatever. And I'd never seen anything like an energy like that in a crowd. And, you know, if you were there and for that first year, because like, although the team didn't do very well, um, you know, the energy in the place, how could you not get kind of sucked into that? So that's really how it started for me. I kind of, I was apprehensive at first. I was kind of like, okay, I don't know if this is going to be, you know what I think it's going to be and then once you got there in the stands itself that's when it's like okay you know that's when you know it's real right you can yeah exactly feel it. Yeah, and, and, and the funny thing was I, I once I was in the stands like you obviously if you've seen a European game and you've seen an MLS game especially back then you're like the quality level is yeah. you know level, but I didn't yeah. care you didn't even care yeah like you know you didn't even care it was just the energy in the stadium and, and the fact that there was a team that was representing my city right that was yeah. That was the coolest thing. And I was, I was in after that. Amazing. And then obviously Toronto went through a handful of tough years at the start. So when you were supporting them and you finally like jumped on, and I think when you talked about, I mean, be off camera about supporting United as well and seeing mm-hmm. those glory years and then you start supporting like a TFC that's not winning. How does, how did it feel once the club started developing and you saw like the progress actually take place? Yeah. Um, the, I won't lie. Those years were tough. Um, the first, maybe like two years, you're kind of like, okay, well, it's an expansion team. You kind of expect it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But the problem was, is that the turnover was so much, right? Like they were hiring and firing managers. It felt like you can really get a connection to a ton of players because they were coming in, coming out all the time. Um, and you just didn't, after like maybe the, the, maybe the second or third year, you're kind of like, okay, what's the plan? Right. Like, what's the plan to like, how do we get like a Keith McAboo? Like, how do we get young 
Toronto guys into the team and, and being successful and things like that. I just didn't feel like there was ever like a plan. So, you know, when we started Kings in the North, the, uh, the, the supporter group that I helped found, um, you know, we founded it after the, the year that this team started 0 and 9. Um, right. So that was no, like the, is that 2011? 2012. I'm pretty sure it's 2012. 2012. Um, yeah, it yeah. might be 2011. It might be 2011. Right. But like, no, no, 2012 we we formed. So, um, you know that like people were like, why would you want to set up a supporter group for a team this bad? Like, yeah. why would you? You know what I mean? If people would look at us like we're crazy, um, because they're like, okay, what? Even the club when we went to the club and said like, hey, we want to do this, and here's our plan, and and we had talked about you know what we wanted to do, and at that time we weren't even we were setting up in 127, um, the northwest corner, and even people at the club were like, why do you want to do like why? <laughs> you're saying too, wow. Yeah, because they were just, well, I mean, like for them, right? It was just like, you know, okay, there's already you sector, there's already Red Patch. Yeah. Like, why do you like, and, and like, why do you want to do this? And then we just like, look, like it was either you quit or you kind of double down and, and yeah. just be like, at some point, this team's going to get it right and you want to be there when they do. They do. Um, exactly. And, and, and obviously that came a lot later than we expected, <laughs> yeah. um, but it came, right? So it was one of those things where, you know, when we did it, we were kind of like, okay, well, if we're going to do it, like go all in, right? Don't sort of half-ass it. Anyway. Yeah. So that's why we created this. Even, even at that time, even I remember conversation having as players, we'd be like, because obviously we weren't winning at that time. It was those tough, dark days we had in those 2011, 2012 years. But there's still support there at the stadium. And we always mm -hmm. said to ourselves, we're like, you imagine if one, if this club is winning, like it's going to be like in the stadium if we're winning. Like that's always us young guys used to say, like how crazy it would be when we're if we're winning or well, the city mm -hmm. would get behind this team. So like I was so happy and to see it for the fans, especially and getting to be there um, that night when they won. It was just like, oh, the fans deserve this a lot because they've been with this club stuck behind them for a long, long time. and seen so much. Mm -hmm. I was definitely yeah. for them. Yeah, for you guys, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah sure. that night when they won it was amazing. So we were lucky. yeah, we were there. Yeah, we were oh, both yeah. there. Luckily, we were there the year before when they lost in the shootout, which yeah. was cold and miserable. And I was in the capital year. stand. I was in the capital stand for the 16 final, and I lost feeling in my toes. Oh um, yeah, probably the first the uh, just after the first 15 of uh, extra time. Like, <laughs> I was just like my toes were just I couldn't feel my toes. So yeah, um, I, I, it was hard to keep going. But um, obviously, when they won. Is incredible. Um, I, you know, I like it's one of those things where in the game, Stefan Fry was playing so well and he was stopping all these chances, and then we were dominating them in the first. You remember, right? We were dominating them in the first yeah. half, right? We should have had like two or three. It should have been done at halftime, right? It should have been decided at halftime. And then we went nil-nil. And um, Kalen Carr, as a former MLS player, um, was in the stands with us in Kings of the North. He was like doing his. Um, oh yeah, so I did that little. Uh, yeah, he was doing that little thing with MLS, and um, he was in the stands with us. And I'm like, I kind of was like, man, you got to be kidding me! We're gonna do this again. Like we're gonna end up nil nil, and they're gonna drag this out to penalties and, and yeah. do it again. And he's just like, he was just like, nah, man, you're gonna score. Just watch. You're all over them. You're gonna score. And then obviously Josie scored, and the yeah. place went nuts. And I, you know, I lost my twenty dollar beer. I threw it up in the air. And, <laughs> we all did. Yeah. Like, everybody yeah. lost their twenty dollars. Sure. So, like that point, it's like twenty dollars well spent. Whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well i wanted to also talk about like becoming like an ultra and i think like you touched upon it like going to the club and asking to form it and like getting like that kind of like weird look of like why 
and I kind of wanted to I've been around here and I've been to games in like Belgium and Sweden and I've gone to lots of games here in England and there's not really like a leader like that that starts it that I've seen in a couple of games that I've been to especially I go to the Emirates a lot to watch Arsenal there is none of that but um what is it what is it like being that like that guy or like the leader of it <laughs> um, like it, you know what it, I don't re- it, it's great like in the sense that you know whether you're like I, I helped form the group I by no means say I'm, I'm like the the overall leader right like okay. there's a lot of people that help to 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 build the culture and build the you know our supporter group in in particular yeah. um, I can speak from a sense of like leading like being a capo being on the stand in the in in the stand it, it's 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 a crazy feeling because you know, you were talking about the whole build up to winning the championship, going to 16, going to 17. Well, I like there are games I didn't see. I watched the first time I watched the game was on a repeat on TV because I had my back turned to the game. Right. Because I'm, Easy, yeah. you know, you're a capo. Right. So you don't see like you maybe get a snippet of a goal, like if you glance over your shoulder or something like that. Um, but your job is to make sure that everybody else is kind of having a good time. Everybody else is sort of making sure that they're supporting the guys on the pitch. So in a lot of cases, what I see is people's reactions to things that are happening on the pitch. You kind of see the game in a different way. Um, and it's, it's kind of amazing to watch it through people's joy, through people's frustration. Um, you know, just like, for example, um, in the 2016, in this East final against Montreal, oh, um, when, uh, when, ha- when Hagland scored, the header yeah um they had temporary stands in the south end at the top the yeah cup. we were there yeah. as well yeah and i and i actually had buddies up there from work that were up there and at one point you know everybody was bouncing right they just scored and we're back in the tie and the this that temporary stand started swaying like it started going like this and I, like one of those there's one of those moments where i was just looking at everybody and i'm like oh my god like this is this is this is nuts. Like the, those little clocks in the south end that are on the top yeah. of the scoreboard, just yeah. at the, in sort of that concourse, they were rattling back and forth. People were because people were bouncing and jumping and they were rattling yeah. back and forth. And it was just like I had never experienced um, an energy like that in a stand. And that those kind of moments are are worth it, right? All the sort of hard work you have to do, the things behind the scenes people don't see, you know, like the trying to get people organized for seats, trying to get banners and TFOs and flags made and, and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the stuff that you see as an end product, but don't see the work that goes into yeah. making all that stuff makes it all worth it. And it's a lot of time. It, 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 like at one point, you know, I had to step back because it almost becomes a second job, right? Like it becomes yeah. a, a thing like right after work, I'm like, okay, now I got to organize people to do this painting session, or I got to get people's tickets for this or Right. Yeah. So it's um, so I mean, it's it's a lot of work, but it's once you see sort of everybody enjoying it and having a great time, it's uh, it, it's really fun. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, we were at that game in Montreal as well. We, I think we went to like all the games in the build up to that final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. That was, yeah, Keith and I were bouncing. Yeah, we were... I've never I've never seen a stadium like that ever. Yeah. That Montreal night was crazy. Well, it's, it, I don't think it's it's hard to because people always ask you, what's your favorite game you've ever been to at BMO? Um, and I'll always actually tell people, um, it was the year before it was the 2015 game where Javinko scored that goal against the Red Bulls to get us to the playoffs for the first time. Um, yeah. cause that was the same night, 
um, the the Jose Batista bat flip happened. Hey, that was a crazy um, the same yeah. night. Um, so that was a crazy night. Just in the city was just lit. That, the whole night the city was just lit, right? Yeah. So, um, but that night in that night against Montreal, it was that was that was the night I kind of knew the city could be a football city. Really, yeah. like you know what I mean? Like the just the energy, everybody's focus was on that game. Um, and you know, the club hopefully will get back to that, um, soon, <laughs> sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's just one of those nights that you can't like, you just, if you were there, you were there and you can just sort of say it. And if you were there, you could see people who smile and know they were there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I remember going like early days when I, I think it was Keith was playing and we were there and I think we watched like the white again them against the white caps or something mm-hmm. and like even like the development of the stadium and making it more of like a better atmosphere place that can like kind of hold in the sounds and create that intensity of like a European stadium mm-hmm. I think like just that rise of it and everything like you said and having that extra stand we had buddies up there as well and like they fell they fell a couple roll, <laughs> rolls yeah nuts. When Mike talking about the stadium, did they uh, did they talk to you guys about anything when they're built when they're adding additions to the stadium fans like group fan groups at, at all? Yeah, so um, so yeah, that would have been going into the 2015 season. Um, yeah. So like 2014, mm-hmm. 2015, uh, we were in one. We were in the northwest corner. We were in 127. Okay. So Keith, you yeah. remember that's where that's where the players um, the, the player suite used to be. Yeah, remember like where the players we were like if you were injured or you weren't playing or family members would be up there yeah yeah, so we so we were at the front of that section originally Mm -hmm. and then they approached us to to basically say listen this is what we're doing um we're gonna put the canopy up we're gonna do we're gonna expand seating this is what we're doing and we want you guys to come to the south end um and have all the supporter groups in the south end um and at first i'll be honest i didn't want to move um I liked where we were and I thought it would be, you know, a place where we could grow and continue to build sort of a, a really interesting thing in the North stand. Yeah. Um, but as we sort of got along and saw what they were trying to do and sort of the idea of keeping all that noise in and having that one sort of section drive the rest of the stadium, then, you know, we, we eventually agreed to the move and did it. Um, but we got, yeah, we were, we were sort of, I don't want to say we were like consulted. It wasn't like they were asking us for our yeah. opinion. They're basically <laughs> like, here's what we're doing. Are you coming or not? Right. Um, okay. uh, so yeah, in that way, we were kind of, you know, told about the plans ahead of time. And I think it kind of worked out because there's some games during those runs, those three years when TFC was at the top where like, it honestly felt like the field was on a slant with when they're attacking that way. Always, always, always. You knew in the second half, we were down a goal, down two goals. You knew they were coming back. Going yeah, that absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. I think I've seen that in Italy does that a lot with the curva and they have yeah. all the fans just like kind of on that one end. And I saw that in, I was in Naples at a Napoli game and saw and witnessed that. And I was like, everybody just sits like the nobodies, just me. I sat in like the middle and I was like, this is a great seat, but they were all back there behind going nuts for like the yeah. entire, I was like insane, but it makes the atmosphere. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's awesome that you touched upon like the behind the scenes and, and what it takes to, to make BMO look the way it does and creating that, that atmosphere. One thing I did know was um, you obviously maybe didn't mention, but you have the, the tunnel club and are, what exactly is the tunnel club? Why was it created? Like, what was its purpose? Um, I'm sure you talk about the post game show that, that I do sometimes. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, that was developed with uh 
with uh, Jeffrey Nesker, Michael Singh, some of the guys from Waking the Red um, from the site and, and podcast. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, during the pandemic, especially um, with the team, you know, not here um, and sort of soccer media and the coverage in this country kind of dipping a bit. Yeah. Um, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity for people to talk about the game afterwards. Like you, you, like you guys are on Twitter, you see the, the sort of banter afterwards. There's people that are passionate and opinionated about the club and where it's going. And I just, you know, thought like, Hey, why don't we put something together? That's either a pre or post game show to talk about these things. Cause there really wasn't, I'm a big fan of sport radio. I really love sport radio and I don't profess to be any kind of journalist or anything like that. There are world-class journalists out there um, that, that are way more skilled at that. But I just thought like a place where fans can come and sort of just voice their opinions about the game. You know, we were all passionate about the sport. So that's really where that came from. Um, I can't profess to come up with the name tunnel club either. That's totally a Jeffrey P. Nesker um, uh, innovation, but um, it was really just an opportunity to talk the game. Um, So from fans, from a fan's perspective um, and allow fans to sort of call in or or chime in and and have their perspectives, whatever they are, some are good perspectives, some are not good. Right. But like at the same time, I think there's uh, always space to have that conversation. I think that's what also drives a club. Um, is, you know, people talking about it and, and having opinions about it. Um, and, and especially during the pandemic when you don't have home games and you, yeah. know, you don't have reporters there to be able to get those different things from, from the players and from the coaching staff and things like that. So you need to still have an outlet for, for fans to be able to, to really be passionate about, about their clubs. So that's why, uh, that's how that came along. No, I like that. Cause like you see in, uh, well, I know just because I follow uh, with Arsenal, like they have the Arsenal fan TV. When you see these fans, yeah. are so these guys are so, so passionate about their club. They have United View and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great. And like that's like the first I've seen or heard of anything with TFC having something like that, which I think is really important to have for fans, which is really dope. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think it's good to like debrief as well for like the mental as well. Like when you watch the game, like the emotions that you're going through and then to not be able to like spurt them out after a game, as most people do when watching sports, whether it's like just tweeting it and live tweeting it, but like actually saying it and talking about the match. And obviously, like you said, no one's got like expert analysis that's going into it, but we all have our opinions. We all have yeah, our and, opinions. And that's not the, and it's not the point to have expert analysis, yeah, right? right? Like, yeah. like you have a Christian Jack for that. You have a John Molnar, yeah. you have like people that are really great journalists that do that are uh, uh, the way I look at the show as an opportunity to fans to be able to express what they're feeling, whether it's mainly the season has been frustration. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll point back to the Miami game a few weeks ago um, and the refing decisions and the obvious Schaffelberg goal. <laughs> um, but you know, like that was a perfect show to have at that moment because I think yeah. everybody had to just release that, especially I think because that was one of the first games where you could honestly say that yes, TFC lost the game, but you could say like that was, a really good performance. You could see that they were, you know, pouring everything into that match. Um, and and I think fans needed that opportunity to one just go have a go at the ref and the refing crew, but also um, be able to say like, I was really proud of the team. They were amazing tonight. They didn't deserve to lose. And I think that's actually, you know, since then they've catapulted into a couple of wins and 
and are now making their run in the Voyager's Cup. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the show holds a purpose. I mean, we try to run it every game. We can't sometimes, especially if it's a home game, because I'm at the stadium, Jeffrey's at the stadium, Michael's reporting on the game. Um, so it's hard to sometimes do it when it's a home game because sometimes like I'm the capital for the night. So I can, you know, I'm, I'm dead by the time the game is over, but um, you know, we try to host it every, every game, especially the away games um, and, and get people to sort of, you know, say their piece. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We, me and Keith definitely do that after a couple of games, we just give each other a call and we just talk about it just to air it out and just see how it's going. But yeah, it can, it's, it's useful. It's useful. Um, there's another thing that I wanted to bring up and um, it goes along with the atmosphere. And I know that you're one of the leaders. I, I believe you're one of the leaders. I've done a little bit of research, not loads. So that's why I yeah. definitely want to bring it up and have you talk okay. about it, but it's the TFC BIPOC fan coalition. Yeah. So I watched an interview with you um and it said you said pretty much last year that it was like really in its infant stages and we have a little bit of an idea of it but for someone that is listening that has no idea about it can you maybe just explain the start of it and how it's maybe progressed over the year yeah yeah uh thanks for for mentioning that so yeah um you know i helped found it and really what it is is it's a bunch of uh, fans like myself who are racialized fans or fans of color um, that want to do a couple of things. One, I think when we all sat down to, to chat, one of the things we um, identified was making BMO a, a safe space um, for people of color to watch the game, to, to feel like they can support their club. Um, and, and this is not to say that BMO had an exorbitant amount of problems with that prior or anything like that, but there's always opportunities to make situations better, to make improvements, to to acknowledge um, those fans, right? So that was one of the things that we talked about. And obviously this was born from sort of the, a lot of the, the movements that happened last year, the, the death of George Floyd and, and, and many other things um, really we were spurred on partly by uh, Black Players for Change and, and Justin Morrow has been a really big um, sort of influence and supporter of ours and really helping us get started. But we're really looking at also just bringing more um, racialized voices to to football, right? To be able to to be out there and, and talk about to talk about the game. And, and Keith, obviously, you you setting up this podcast and starting that um, with Mike is amazing, and, and that's kind of what we're doing with the House on Lakeshore podcast and doing things like the Tunnel Club and just getting more um, you know faces and people of color to talk about the game. Um, and 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 uh, I felt like that was something that was missing. Um, here and then an, another component, obviously, is trying to getting into communities and doing some work there. Um, over the past year, we've had uh, we've built a really great relationship with TFC um, and with MLSE in general, um, and, and they've been great working with us to implement some some changes, some suggestions that we have. Um, you know, the the big one so far that we really were able to to get out there was around Emancipation Day. Uh, the videos with Justin and getting obviously Ash and Toast and, uh, and um, Theo Bear out in Vancouver uh, to really have the club push that message and, and push some of these things that are happening. Um, you know, even now with uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, um, you know, really getting the club to, to, I mean, these were things that, you know, that the club has traditionally tried to, to do, but now obviously amplify that voice and, and yeah. get that out there to the fans and get, the, and get fans to understand why it's important. Um, and why this, you know, one thing that we got um, when we started the group was, you know, 
you don't want politics in your sports, right? Like that's that old adage of, you know, just kick the ball, just have, you know, but I think there's a, there's a a recognition now amongst a lot of people that, you know, athletes um, have a platform to be able to express things and get things out there to a broader audience that, you know, myself, I may not have that same capacity. Right. So um, obviously having the club back us is, is really big and, you know, we're still looking to grow and still looking to, to improve and, and find areas where we can, you know, where we can help. Um, and I think that's sort of the next phase going into the off season is going to be, you know, how can we continue to, you know, impact change both inside the stadium and outside, um, whether that's through fundraisers or, or things like that. So um, more to come from the, from the coalition, but obviously we're going to keep a podcast going. Um, myself, Sean Levy, um, are on the podcast and, you know, we're two, we, you know, we're two black men talking about football. And, oh. um, I think it's important that we have more, like I said, more people of color talking about the game and, and, and bringing their sort of own life perspectives into, into that conversation. Amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I love that. Great. Something I think that was needed. And it's great that you guys took the initiative to get that going, especially during that tough, those tough time we had last year for everybody. So yeah, no, I was very, I was really excited when I saw when I heard about it, I was really excited that it was getting done and seeing all the players also getting behind you guys, the club MLSC is great. So it's honestly awesome to hear. Yeah. Thank you. And then at the end, we can plug your podcast, get our listeners to, to jump on it as well. <laughs> yeah, great. <for> sure. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's incredible. And I think like having that conversation, like you said, using athletes, like their platform to do yeah. positive things, like, I think anybody who says like, oh, don't bring politics in sport or like tells athletes not to get involved. It's like, why not? Like, what? it's two separate things. Watch the game and enjoy that and then do that. Like, you yeah. just. Well, I think, I think the, the, if last year taught us anything is that sports are inevitably tied to what's happening in the world, right? Like you can't yeah. just look at football and say, well, okay, you know, football has nothing to do with you know, politics at all, right? A, the history of football is littered with politics being infused yeah. into the game. Um, so from, from that perspective, but also I think, you know, whether it was the, you know, the beginning of the MLS's back tournament last year in the eight minutes and 46 seconds, um, whether it was, you know, the, the league stopping play at one point, um, you know, I think there is a, a, a growing awareness that, you, you know, you can't just continue to treat athletes as just athletes. They're human beings. They have emotions. They, they, they live outside of the white lines of a football yeah. pitch. Right. And, and I think that, and, and, you know, and furthermore, it's sort of this next fight about online abuse of footballers that's happening all around the world, you know, right. It, it, how can you say that politics are not in football when that's happening on a match by match basis? Not even, I can't even say day by day, it's match by match basis. Um, so, you know, from, from that perspective, you know, that's why, that's why I think the fight is going on. And I think you see more footballers around the world using that platform to try to affect that change, whether it's through governments, whether it's through you know, footballing organizations, you know, CONCACAF, UEFA, um, you know, Comma Ball or FIFA itself. Um, they, you know, that that's where the fight is. It's the push to have those bodies recognize that change is needed um, and and to take these sort of issues very seriously uh, because it, it will affect the game down the road. You know, it will affect 
the quality of football down the road, I think. I think it will affect the mental health of players down the road. And that sort of erodes what we love about the game, right? If players don't longer feel safe to play the game, then I think that is inevitably a threat and a harm to the game down the down the road. 100%. Definitely plays like a, a mental factor. Yeah. Like if you're going into a game in a certain away day, maybe a hostile environment plays on your mind. So, and I think like, especially what we've seen with England in the last Euros, yeah. what those young kids went through, just like, it's insane. Like, but 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 again, like it's it's a testament to the way things are now. Not to say that things are they're perfect, but the the strength because they know people back them, right? They know yeah. there are people out there backing them, and they know that they can speak their mind. And although, yeah, you're going to get people that are always going to tell you to shut up and dribble or shut up and kick the ball. Yeah. There's also other people out there that are going to tell you, you know what, you need to keep doing this because you are impacting change. Like yeah. to me, yeah. Marcus Rashford is the most important one of the most important footballers in the world right now not because oh, of what he's 100%. always doing on the pitch but the things that he is doing off the pitch yeah. um for for families uh, for people in england in the uk right now um and and are you really going to tell him to shut up and dribble like no yeah. right like he's you know he's he's making sure that kids can eat um yeah. so I, I i think that's i think that's incredibly important and and if you have those footballers that are on that stage that can use that platform to make that kind of change, to force a government to go back on a bad policy, then, I mean, why would you want your footballers to just shut up and dribble? Right? 100%. I work at a, I'm at a primary school over here. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know the exact percentage, but loads of my kids rely on the free school meals during mm-hmm. like the lunchtime. And what the government were giving was just it wasn't enough. It was, it was honestly a joke. So like seeing at that time, Rashford use his platform to do that made a massive impact on just like my little community of where my school is and just even like the borough itself. So like when he was doing all of that, we were all just like, I'm, I've been behind him. Like you said, I think he's most impactful because of what he's done here and I've seen it, but mm-hmm. yeah, if we have more of that, then like you said, it causes, causes the change. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even point, you know, here in Canada, I'll point to D-Row and what he's doing with both yeah. with his foundation um, and with his with his academy um, and, and being able to get young kids from 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 Scarborough playing the game, but also doing it in a safe manner and, and helping the community uh, push along and some of the work that he's doing and Rick Titus um, is doing with his programs as well at the grassroots, grassroots level. Um, I think there's a lot of great work happening um, in, in footballers both present and past um, are, are really starting to pick that up. And, you know, as a coalition, as fans, if we can support them in any way, whether it's just getting the word out there or, you know, volunteering at uh, events, we'd love to do that because I think that, you know, that's a small way that we can say thank you um, to them uh, for, for using their platform to, to make our society better. Definitely. Okay. So we're going to shift the conversation a little bit. Yeah. Um, I see now you said that you're born and bred Toronto, moved to Mississauga. We see that you're currently living in Hamilton Yeah, and need to know how amazing is it to actually see now a CPL team come to Hamilton and be as you're, well, people when they get the visuals, they're going to see you in the porch <laughs> sweater. So how does yeah. it feel to have a team in Hamilton? Yeah, it's great. I mean, um, you know, disclosure, I worked for the club for a year and about a half. Okay. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. Obviously, the Canadian Premier League was desperately needed, I think, in the, in this country um, yeah. for, for young footballers to have a place to go 
Um, it's another it's another route. It's another option um, for, for players. Um, and, and obviously in a community like Hamilton, it's great. Um, and obviously it helps that they've won the two championships in the league <laughs> yeah. history. Yeah. Um, but I think also um, just from just from across the country, I think you you people get to experience um, professional football and and watch players develop and 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 as this league goes from strength three, and like, like I said, the league isn't perfect yet. There's there's things that the league still needs to do and will do. Um, but from a community perspective, it's great to have the club there. You know, I, I now live in Hamilton. I'm, I moved there this summer, um, yeah. and um, I'm you know a five minute walk from the stadium. So it's great on a match day to just walk around the ground and be right there. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it, it's just a it's a great thing to watch sort of young guys, you know, get their career started and have an opportunity. And, you know, the next step is now watching them move, move to another level because the league is already, you know, it makes no pretensions about what it is. It's, it's a development league. It's an opportunity. Um, so to watch some of those young players now take the next step to, in their careers, whether it's MLS, Europe, yeah. Um, you know, somewhere else in North America or, or, or Central America, you know, it's an opportunity um, that was not there um, for, for players. And, and, you know, it, it's great to see it. And, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not a professional player, so I can't answer from that perspective. I don't know, Keith, if, if you have any sort of thoughts on that, but um, you know, from what I've seen um, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for, for those players to get valuable minutes pr- uh, professionally. Um, in a, in a, in a stable environment. Yeah. All I've heard is good things about the league. And of course, like you're saying, this is something Canada, I think needed for you, for the youth soccer for, from guys from like 16, 17 and up to have that, um, that little step before the MLS, the TFCs, the Europe's, all that stuff. I think it's massive. We had, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Manella on the pod and you said he was surprised mm-hmm. of the level of play in the league. So I think for it to be at infant stages and hearing him talk about how glowing it is and the, the quality of players they have in the league, I think it's going to be huge for Canada soccer and uh, development of young players, which I think, as, as we already see, we're already making some moves on the rise now, but I think this league is definitely going to help for sure, 100%. Yeah, I think it makes such an impact when you have like a team and especially like surrounding area. Like if you're Toronto FC, you almost kind of have to be like happy with that going on because that now that development and it's like a pool like you can almost just pick from those clubs that yeah, are surrounding. It's, so it's funny because I, i'm I, i'm not sure how tfc feel about it to be perfectly honest. like originally really? i guess when when bill manning was asked about the league there was kind of skepticism but i mean i think that was when the league, the league hadn't kicked the ball yet right they, they, they didn't they didn't know what it would be i think now one, I mean, the CPL teams are not a threat to TFC at the moment. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously we just watched um, uh, York United TFC um, and, and saw the, the, the quality level between the two obviously is, is different level. But I, I think what you, what you get is out of that game, I, I looked at somebody like Didier Nabsi. I looked at a guy like Max Ferrari. Yeah. You know, these are guys that can make the jump. Like you can see the, the quality of these players immediately and then you know at Forge I look at a player like Elemon Cisse who when when he came he signed with the club you know no one knew who he was we sent him straight from I, I believe from his league, from his club team I believe in Senegal okay. um and and how he has grown into a player that essentially cannot be dropped by Bobby Smirionis in his side right now um is, is quite incredible right and and you see that all across the league um with different players who have gotten an opportunity to, to step up in competition, to, to grow as, as footballers and as people. And, 
And hopefully now it's the next step of making that move to another, to another level. Um, and then eventually the goal is to get some of these guys on the national team um, and, and get them to contribute, which is going to be tough because the national team right now is stacked. Um, right. Like, but, but that's the point, right? I think it's to, it's to drive that competition um, for, for spots on the national team. But it's also good too to see the support. I was watching and saw some highlights. I think it's specific. I saw play the fans they have out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I saw York Dine obviously in Hamilton, but it's good that they're seeing the support as well from uh, yeah. from fans in those those areas and uh, all over Canada, which is really good too to help grow the game as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's amazing for you as well to just kind of somewhat start supporting Forge right away and then be successful. I think that's like somehow the world working out in your favor after supporting Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, I I always have a, a place for Forge now. Obviously, now that I live there, but you know, yeah. um, working for the club and there's some great people, um, behind the scenes that are, are again, integral to building the club and making what it is and having an opportunity to meet Bobby Smirty owners and Costa and, and things like that. You, 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 you get the sense of people that are really trying to build something special, um, and really determined to take this club to, to places right now. I mean, right now what they're doing in CONCACAF league and yeah. getting to the quarters and, yeah. and it's a good chance that they can win their, their tie. Um, against their Costa Rican opponents and, and get to Champions League, which within three years to get to to you know Champions League proper is is quite impressive. Um, and you have to kind of put your hands up. And a lot of those guys are Sigma guys that that grew up with with yeah. Bobby and 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 Keith. You probably know a lot of those guys personally, uh, like Kyle um, and Mo, a couple of guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So so you know th- those guys. It, it's good to see. Even the old, like even the quote unquote older guys, they're not older, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like Kyle and Mo and and, and guys who've gone through sort of the system, yeah, um, and end yeah. up in a in, in sort of end up in a great place, um, like in Hamilton. Um, it, it's great to see, right? It, it's an opportunity again, like I said, and I've used that word a lot when it comes to the CPL, but it really is. It gave me an opportunity to be in football, um, yeah. and and um, and and I think that's the other side of the coin that we don't think about sometimes we always think about the players and the coaches, mm-hmm. but you know, administrators and, and people that you don't want to cut their teeth and get into the football industry um, in, in this country. Uh, it's given a lot of those people an opportunity to, to have a job um, and, and learn and see what it's like. So uh, the league is doing a lot, not just from a player development perspective, but a coaching perspective and an administrator perspective as well. That's amazing. Um I think you kind of just touched upon it as well with the, the men's national team. I think as a whole, we can talk maybe about the success of the women over the summer and then the men right now with the World Cup qualifying. How amazing is it to see? We, we just talked to Richie Larea about a week ago, I think it was, Keith. Mm-hmm. We, we just had him on about a week ago and he was talking about it. And we were just like, it's almost like goosebumps feels about how proud and how amazing yeah. that they're doing. Yeah, for for as somebody who's a fan of the national team, it's an incredible time. We were talking about this on the on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. Myself and Sean, just when have you ever seen a national team this stack where you literally could go look at the forward position? And be like I don't know who's actually going to start because they're all in form. They're all playing at big clubs, you know, across the world, and 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 you know, you're, you we tried to make it eleven ahead of I think the. I think it was the USA game or the the um, the Panama game, just or the um, sorry the El Salvador game. Try to figure out what the eleven was, and we actually had a hard time putting together eleven. It was like when was the first time? When was the time that you could sit there and say like, okay, I could put in 
at 11 and be like, oh, I don't know if this guy can start because this guy's hot right now. Like, how yeah. can you drop Tejon Buchanan because this player, you know, like maybe you need Junior Hoyland in here because of that. Like, you just, you realize after a while, you're like, wow, you know, the, the work that's been done um, is starting to pay off. Yeah. Um, and, and you're starting to see, and there's guys, and again, I, I think the CF, the, the, the CPL, um, is is going to help with that down the road, right? As as the league gets older and more mature, you're going to see sort of that depth chart go from like, okay, you have two or three guys in a position where you're now like, I've got five or six players deep, yeah. you know, um, at certain positions, and and you know that that's a good problem for John Herdman to have eventually, exactly. um, you know, as you know, hopefully we can push to to Qatar and and get to get to 2022 but obviously with a home world cup coming in 2026 it's um you know that that that's that only bodes well um for for the program going forward would you make the trip to qatar uh, i don't know if i have that kind of money <laughs> you, want, you want to sponsor me to go I'd, I'd love to, I'd love somebody sponsors me to go um yeah i don't know if i could i hey look in a in a perfect scenario yeah i'd, I'd love to to go but um, you know, realistically, I'm probably going to have to watch it from home, especially if it's going to be a holiday World Cup. Yeah, um, yeah so it's going to be a winter World Cup. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, you know, obviously, you know, if the team makes it, and I think they legitimately can, right. I, yeah. I, I yeah. really think they can finish in a top three spot. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, they've got the next round of qualifying in the next couple of weeks, the next week or and a half almost yeah. um, before they play their next game against Mexico. But I really do think they can qualify. Um, and I really do think that they can get there and they can make some noise. Um, and that would be an amazing thing to see. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the springboard really, because I kind of almost look at it like how the, the United States kind of trajectory, right. Yeah. They got to, they got to, to Italian 90 and that was kind of the springboard. And after that, they got a home world cup in 94 yeah, and then, and they hosted exactly. And then it was kind of a trajectory. They made the world cup every single year. And I think so, it's also up with the uh, with the age of this this group of players. I think the 2026 one lines up perfectly with some of the age we have. Those guys will be in their primes and young players that are going to be coming through. I think it's going to be great. I think we're there on a great trajectory right now. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 the other thing too is is that like it's not you you could say like countries have golden generations that come through, and then the next generation after that is kind of like eh. like now it like you just see no end. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah. it, you know, it, you know, even if, you know, some of these players, you can move on for some of these players, there's just other players that are coming up right now that are going to yeah, fill in um, and be and step up and be just as good. So it, that's that's the encouraging thing to me. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. The game's coming up this week. It's going to be good. I can't wait to see them against Mexico because the way they played against them at Gold Cup was like, especially right. a couple of players, they played very yeah. well. I'm looking forward to well, them. Well, no. Yeah, no Alfonso Davy, no Jonathan David, right? No Atiba Hutchinson in that one. And and they held their own. Yes, okay, Mexico didn't have Raul Jimenez. They didn't have Chucky Lozano. But at, at the same time, I think, you know, you, you played as pretty close to an A Mexico squad yeah. as you could get yeah. um, and took them right down to the wire and arguably, arguably a, 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 a questionable penalty. But like, a, a, you know, like, <laughs> but still. All right, um, it's a safe know, space here. It's a safe uh, Well, you know. <laughs> Like, I, I, I'm not gonna say I didn't, you know, almost throw something at a TV at one point, but like, you know, it just, it's just one of those things where, you know, that game, even yeah. in the last World Cup cycle, to have, it would not have exactly, they just, the team wouldn't have been there yet. No, not at all. 
And like, yeah, it's amazing. So think that like they're going down to Azteca and to think as a fan watching, we can think we could we can get a result down there. Yeah. We can get a result. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. It's going to be tough. But and they you know, can. They're I, going down there, knowing like they they know that they can get a result. Yeah. Amazing. I don't know if I don't know if uh, Jimenez is going to be able to travel. Oh, that's right. Well, no, he won't be able to play. Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I read cause, earlier that Junior Hoylet's not able to go no, to that no, game either. Won't. Yeah, and and Wolves are definitely not going to let him miss miss that many matches um, on the way back. So yeah. Well, that's a positive sign, at least. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. All right, Mike, we're just going to finish off here. we got a little couple, couple of fun quick hitters for you before you go. All right, yeah, for sure, man. Finish off. So first one, uh, best away day story, if you have one, with TFC. Oh, best away day story. Um, there's a couple. Um, uh, I'll say uh, I'll say this. The first time I went to Chicago um, away uh, with, the, with, with Kings of North was, was just an amazing time. Yeah. Um, I won't get into all the details, uh, but um, just uh, just it was a great experience. Um, you know, we we actually didn't win that match, um, but uh, you know, I think the the one thing about away days that I really love is is you go down, you 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 meet not just people in your own supporter group, but other fans that have come yeah. down um, and support the team, and 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 it was really you know. You, you're all together. You all travel together. You all, um, you all end up commiserating together or celebrating together at a pub. Um, so that was that was really great. If I could also maybe go as the one the um, uh, the time we went to Montreal in 2017, I think this would have been or 2016, um, and and being on the metro with you know a hundred or so TFC fans in a car, and we're just all bouncing up and down, making the car shake and <laughs> technically derailed that was uh that was uh a little scary but also fun that's amazing amazing awesome. okay you kind of answered the one during the during the part about the best bmo field experience so you're going you'd say montreal that montreal game uh yeah probably that it's tied for that and probably um the seba goal against uh the red bulls for the first playoff spot i think just the the relief did that okay it's done it's happening. They're finally going like it, it was just, you know, um, I think that was and it was just a great goal too. just the fact that he just took out three or four, five defenders um, to score. That goal was just it's probably also one of the best goals I've ever seen yeah. at, at the stadium. Are you happy he's back? Is he back yet? I don't know. What's he, what's he doing hanging around? He has well, a, his family live here. So. I think he has a home here. Yeah. yeah, he has a home in Oakville or something like that. Yeah. All right, next one. Favorite uh, pregame spot or kind of like, or even talk about some of those. I see you guys, there's some of the marches you guys have done before together. There's kind of some things you guys do before the game all together and after, afterwards. Yeah, you know, for, uh, you know, I can only speak specifically for Kings of the North, but, you know, we'll go to something like like the Wheat Chief um, before the game. Okay, yeah. uh, we used to have a, a post-game bar in the village, um, but the pandemic, it was a victim of the pandemic. Um, so, unfortunately, it's, it's no longer around. It was locust uh one four four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh that was just a that was just a great spot to to go after games and, and it would be ram packed before games, after games. Um you know, and, and you know, before that we'll you know, we'll obviously have a pint talk about the game before now we'll walk down from King and Bathurst to the game. Um and then after 
afterwards, you know, we'll, we'll probably either head back um, or sometimes we'll go to Brazen Head afterwards and, and again, have a pint and talk about the game and, and things like that. Um, you know, marches, um, there haven't been uh, as many marches this year. Obviously, I, I think the the overall, just the way the team's been going and it hasn't yeah. it's, happened. But in the past, yeah, you link up with other supporter groups and, and, and obviously do the marches and stuff. And those are always fun. That's cool. All right, this one, we'll see. We'll see what your thoughts are on this. If you could make one move you'd like to see this offseason for the club to make, player-wise, anything, what would it be, you think? One move they need to make. <laughs> Ooh. Um, uh, okay. So this one's a, this might be a tough one for me personally. Um, because I like Ali, I actually like Ali Kurt. I've met him and I'm like, I really like yeah. him as a, as a person. Um, uh, but I, it, it, you know, I, I think as a head coach, I think the club needs somebody who has a gravitas yeah. to them in terms of being able to command respect in a room with a lot of veteran guys. Um, you know, and, and I think they, they need somebody to, to come in and be the manager and do that. That's no disrespect to Javier Perez or anything like that. Like, I think he's done a, 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 a decent job sort of being put into, I don't want to say an impossible situation, but, you know, a situation that he couldn't have envisioned when he took the job originally. Um, but somebody like a Bob Bradley, if you can get a Bob Bradley in there, I think you have to kind of look at that. Yeah. Um, and that might mean you may have to get him. You may have to give him a title uh, outside of head coach. Um, So I I don't know. Um, I feel something like that needs to happen um, in order to sort of, because I think this team can still contend. I don't think it's in a position where it needs to tear everything down and rebuild everything. No, I don't Um, think Yeah, yeah, I I don't think it's in that position. But, you know, I think you need somebody with that kind of gravitas. But at the same time, you know, we also said that about Greg Vanny. In, in his first year and then look what happened. So um, not to say that lightning strikes twice, but um, that that's what I feel the club may need. Okay. Fair. Fair. Uh, do you have a favorite chant or how, or and even talk about to us how, how some of these chants, how they come together and all this stuff. I hear you guys singing. There are more talented chant writers than me. I'm not a great <laughs> chant writer. Okay, that's I was going to say, I'm like, yeah. this some of them yeah, that got going on are crazy. But yeah, that's not me. That that is not me. Um, I'm good. I'm good at being a cap. I'm good at repeating the words and getting people to 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 chant along. Um, but uh, right, I guess you know, for me, my favorite, um, you know, is, is the Shanana getting everybody together, link yeah. shoulders together, and sway yeah. back and forth. It's a great energy pickup, um, and I think. You know, obviously it's COVID time, so a little bit different. But um, prior to that, when you're doing that, it really just, you know, as I say it in the capital stand, it doesn't matter whether you know the person beside you. You know, when you're in the stands and you're supporting TFC, you're family. Yeah. Um, and, and, and having people link shoulders like that and do that really does bring people together and, and sort of um, and sort of galvanizes that. And I also tend to find that when we do that, we play really well and score. Like we did that the other night and they, and Schaffelberg immediately scored. So um, I, I kind of feel like that's a good luck charm to start the second half. So amazing, amazing. All right. Yeah, that's a good one. I think chants are just like next level. Like yeah, I love people it. who come up with them and like the creative, obviously a lot of clubs yeah. like mimic each other and like a lot of clubs use the same ones and some are yeah. like very specific to their team, but the the idea that like everybody can have like the same chant but one words change and just creates an atmosphere is really cool to me yeah absolutely all right this is what i'm interested since i know you've yeah. been to you know is if you could pick a best 11 of tfc players all time who would it okay. be okay okay um goalkeeper um 
Um, the goalkeeper, I'm going to go actually Stefan Fry. Um, yeah. I don't think we should have ever let him go. Um, but it, this, the business is the business. Yeah. Um, so Stefan Fry. Um, right back is going to be Stephen Betashore. Um, you know, again, one of those players that um, shouldn't have let go, but the business is the business. Yeah. Um, center back. Um, it's going to be controversial. I'm taking Daniil Henry um, as one of my center backs. Um, I think, yeah, I think that, um, you know, obviously Academy product and it's great. Um, they use one of the first out or I think the first out, but I, I, I just, but I think that also, you know, if he had been able to stay here, um, you know, and stay healthy, you know, I, I, it would, I mean, he's had a great career, obviously he's doing yeah. well in career right now. Um, but he's one of those players that I wish could have stayed at, at TFC a bit longer and continue to develop. Yeah. Um, beside him, I'm taking Drew Moore. Um, as a center back, I think somebody who's a great communicator, um, you know, great organizer in the back, um, and just great overall human being. Um, yeah. yeah, really great. Yeah. Left back, that's going to be tough um, because two of my favorite people are at that position: um, uh, Justin Moore and Ashton Morgan. So um, it's it's kind of tough. Um, <laughs> I got to pick between one of the two. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with Justin. Sorry, Ash. Um, <laughs> first off the bench, though, he's my he's my first off the bench. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Justin. Um, I think in a lot of ways, him coming to the club um, in 2013 was the catalyst to start the sort of change um, into what TFC be- has become. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, he was he was the guy, and that again, that's really hard because you could make the you can easily make the argument that Ashton Morgan could have fit in that role. Yeah. Um, over those years and done the same job right so yeah. um yeah tough one that that's probably going to be one of my toughest decisions but i'm going to go with justin there. <laughs> um uh what permission are we playing by the way are we playing for you're, 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 you're the coach okay all right um well okay you gotta go midfield you're gonna have to have a holder you're gonna have michael bradley um i don't think i need to say much more iron man captain right yeah. yeah done it um Oh, if I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm gonna play probably. Yeah, I'm probably gonna. Yeah, it's gonna go fourth the best. So I've gone fourth the back, so I'm gonna probably have to do two holders. Um, as a holder, I'm probably gonna put. Oh, now this is gonna get real tough. <laughs> you were yeah. flying at the beginning. I was, I was, like, I was flying. Now I'm thinking like I'm thinking. Ooh, now there's something that in the past that I could I could probably put in there. Um, the midfielders that have been. Yeah, I know. Torsten Frings was there. Well, that's, see, that's that's what I'm thinking as a holder is if, yeah. if I'm playing Torsten beside Michael. Um, you have. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I will go. I will go. Um, Torsten and uh, beside Michael Bradley. Um, though he came later in his career, um, I think if he if he has a partner like Michael, then I think you really see the best out of him. Um, so I'm going to go with that. Um, four, two, three. So Oso's in there um, as part of my three because if I'm going four, two, three, one, then I'm going with yeah. Oso in there. Um, uh, at wing, uh, if I'm going to have to put somebody out on the wing, um, well, Seba. Um, even though he's not a winger, I know he's not a winger. But he can um, play out there, yeah. But he can play out there, and you can you can formations change throughout games, so you know yeah, you can yeah. make it work. Um, so Seba's out there. Um, my other midfielder, huh? 
I'm not putting it out there. <laughs> Josie's up top. Josie's up top. Josie up top. Okay. Josie yeah. up top. Though, though, Danny Kuberman is a close second. Yeah, um, I think. Money. Um, Danny, yeah, Danny. Danny, when he was healthy and fit, was money. Um, uh, and then my last, I guess, my last midfielder. I'm kind of. <laughs> I kind of have a um, a pick that's like not. It's off the board. No one's ever going to. You know, everyone's ever going to pick this player. Oh, um, we love that. We love I, that at the Just okay, Outside fine. podcast. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Joe Plata. I know not everybody loved Joe. Oh, that's was a here. very good pick. No, yeah, I know. If I saw Joe do to people sometimes, it was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love Joe. I love Joe. I know a lot of people. I know how things ended at TFC wasn't the best for him, but um, I just in terms of a player that could, he was one of the first players that we had played on a regular basis that could just beat people one-on-one and just really just do like you you know kid you said it yourself right yeah it's just like you would never expect to obviously small 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 guy but his fight and desire was like crazy and the skills yeah and people forget like he scored some big goals for his club he scored like some some massive goals and i'm 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 missing people out like d row um i'm missing obviously people like amato Guevara back in the day and danny dickio and stuff like that um but I, I think we know I, those legends. We know the legends. Yeah, exactly. But I think you know, from a from an eleven, that's mine. Um, yeah. You know, my first off the bench obviously is probably D row, and I probably actually stick him. No, up no, top. it's Ashton. You said Ashton first off I the bench. Say Ashton. I just say Ashton. <laughs> Sorry, Ash. Sorry, Ash. See, I'm I'm doing Ash thirty, man. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. That's that's probably that's that's my eleven. I'm sticking to it. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, that's true. And before we go, we have to just quickly chat since we're both. United fans, I need to, I need your thoughts on our club right now. United menu. What are your thoughts right now? Oli, everything, Ronaldo coming back. What are your thoughts quickly on the club? Yeah, I, I think I think if um I'll put it this way, I think if we're fourth or fifth come Christmas time, I think Oli might be in a bit of trouble. Um yeah. and, and 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 that doesn't even include the Champions League. Because again, if we're not if we don't get into the round of sixteen for the Champions League, I think he's really in trouble. And he's done, yeah. Um I, I you know, it's you know from a from a United fan, I'm conflicted about the Ronaldo thing. Um, but I, I will say that I like it's it's good to have him back in a sense that you you do have that goal poacher. Obviously, he's going to score goals, right? Yeah. But he's not the guy you need, right? Like you know what I mean? Like he's he, yeah. You you have Cavani. I I still believe in Martial. Like I, I I you know I think that you needed to really address the midfield. I think you really yeah. needed to address the midfield and and McFred. Um, <laughs> what a combo! You know, is just is just yeah. Because I'd be like, you know, I, I actually don't mind Scott McTominay. I think he actually is a decent player. Either, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I just I think you need a, a you need a midfielder that can like I'm not saying you got to go out and get N'Golo Conte. If you can get N'Golo Conte, you can get Chelsea to give him up, which they would never do. Yeah. But it, you, if you can get an, like somebody that can actually just yeah. dominate a midfield, right? right? And you just don't have that right now. And I think you even saw it on the tying goal, right? Like Fred tried to go into that challenge with Demari Gray and just got bunks off a ball. You know, like, it's yeah. just, like, come on. You know, like, if you're going to go in there, foul him, foul him. Right? Like, yeah, you should have yellow, take them. the yellow. yeah. Right. So it, that that's the thing. Right. It's just those moments where, you know, United just need somebody who can come in and control a game because forward why going forward they're fine, Right. They're going to score goals. You know, they're going to score goals. And yes, they, they sometimes have trouble breaking teams down that sit deep in, a, in two blocks of four and really are going to are going to just pack in. But 
they eventually find a way through. Yeah. My problem is, is that sometimes in these moments, you need a midfielder that can just step up on the ball and not allow these counterattacks to happen and, and just keep the pressure on. And they have these moments and those moments always end up in just a <laughs> wild ass goals. And it's just, it's, you know, like, it, you know, and it was even like, even during the week, right. Watching, watching champions league, I didn't get to watch the whole game because I was working, but you know, watching, what I watch, you know, Villarreal realistically kind of got robbed here. They, they could have they they probably should have won that game. They should have won that game. Yeah. Um, and, and the amount of chances they had in the first half, um, they could have, United could have easily been three, three nil down easy yeah. in the first half. Um, so, so I, I really do think that the club need to think about in, I get why you sign Ronaldo. If you get a chance to sign Ronaldo, you yeah. sign Ronaldo. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, eh, they got to address that midfield and the end and they got to give Sancho a run of games um, because it, it's one thing, you know, what's the point in signing him if you're not giving him a run of games in, 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 the, in the 11th. So, I mean, right now the, our Lord and savior Mason Greenwood is basically um, keeping us, uh, keeping us alive right now, really. Right. Like that, that's, that's the guy right now to me um, along with Ronaldo, but um, that midfield needs to get sorted. Um, and, and, you know, you know, uh, defensively, I think once you can get that, then I think it takes a lot of pressure off McGuire and Lindelof and having asked Rafael Varane to, to sort of sort of save them every time defensively. It, and a lot of those goals happen in bad transition moments, right? So we'll see. Tough. We got a tough schedule coming up in the next couple of months. So it's definitely judgment day for Ali. We'll see. <laughs> you need that. You need the three points today, realistically, we right? Did. Like the, the, the stretch they're going, you need three points. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. But Mike. Thank you very, very much. This is dope. This is a really cool. Yeah, this is really cool. You. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate you coming on. It's taking some time. I know you're with family today, so we're going to let you go. But before you go, if you want to just plug anything you need to plug, whether it's podcast-wise, your Twitter, Instagram, all that, just plug that. Yeah, yeah um, not a ton to plug other than, you know, we do the, uh, the House on Lakeshore podcast um, from the TFC BIPOC Coalition. Um, follow us at TFC uh, BIPOC fans on Twitter. Um, we drop the podcast, usually do two a month. Uh, so you can find us on Spotify, on Apple pod, on all the, all the platforms you can find us there. Um, other than that, if you want to follow me, um, that football saves on Twitter. Um, I talk football, you know, uh, all the time, um, CPL, TFC, premier league. Um, yeah, that, that's really it. Not, not a ton to plug, but, um, you know, obviously if you're interested in some of the work that we're trying to do at the, in the BIPOC coalition, should definitely give, um, at uh, TFC BIPOC fans a follow. Um, and, you know, we'll always be posting stuff, um, you know, what's happening in the world and what's happening in the world of football and um, opportunities to connect with the club. Um, hopefully, actually, now I'm thinking about it with things like we hopefully we'll have um, sort of an, another open town hall meeting with uh, with uh, MLSE talking about their um, strategies around, um, you know, sort of working in the anti-racist framework and some of the things that they're going to be doing um, from that perspective. And we've been a part of those conversations as well as trying to drive that policy. So uh, when we have another opportunity to sort of have one of those open town halls, then uh, definitely follow the Twitter because we'll, we'll put out the date and time for that. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Mike, you want to close this out? That was another, another episode of the just upside podcast with myself, Mike Pavella. Signing off. Thanks for listening. Thank you.